Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. Welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. We are with Codal Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. That is correct. So, of course, these are pre-recorded shows, so welcome back for another week. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. It's going to kind of be random and all over the place. We're going to talk about things at the home front, things about buying and selling, and also where the market conditions are, because there are a lot of, well, there's a handful of really interesting things that happened in the national market recently. Yes, and so far... We have not seen the normal realm of statistics that we normally see. So either they were handed out at last week's meeting that I did not go to, or we just haven't gotten to them yet. So unfortunately, we can't talk about how many, what's sold, what our average price is, and and all that fun jazz that's always interesting to learn about. Well, we kind of mentioned it last week. We did. Um, I just didn't get a chance today to go ahead and run those reports. So um, everything was everything was looking strong for July and running close to average for our area, at least. Mm -hmm. So what else do we have going on? I see you've got the computer up and you're clicking away. I'm clicking away because I have been driving all day long and I have not got a chance to see what did come up on the market today. So I'm just kind of quickly clicking through stuff just to kind of see what is going on. But uh, it looks like we've got a lot of lot of activity today that did happen. Yes, we did. So in, in all price ranges, actually. Right. I noticed that there was like three more on in Nakusa. So that's always good to see that stuff is coming on. So... I'm just kind of clicking away and all right. So as of 5.50 p.m. on Wednesday, we're still on Wednesday, right? Yes, today is Wednesday. All right. So in all price ranges, we're looking at 52 homes available. So not too bad. That is pretty good. Right. Right. So break, go ahead, break it down. Do your breakdown. Do my breakdowns. All right. So different than other breakdowns? Sure. All right. So under 100,000, we are looking at 14 homes. In the Wisconsin Rapids area. In the Wisconsin Rapids area. So that's covering, you know, Nakusa as well. Um, Port Edwards. Saratoga. Saratoga. Grand Rapids. Parts of Rome. So we're looking at, yeah, it looks like we got uh, four in Nakusa, which is really great. Good to see. What, what attributes do they have? Um, well, we got one with a little bit of land. So if we're looking for close to an acre, we've got one on Cranmore Road. So that one is going to be... Uh, like we got a stall and a half of a garage. I believe it's right next to the Cranberry Marsh. Kind of in that that area. So if you're taking Section Street and you're taking it all the way to the north, you're going to run right into Cranmore Road. But it looks like a cute little farmhouse. Got some new updates to it. Looks rather pretty for under 100000 It's not bad. A lot of potential. A lot of potential. So again, we haven't been in the home, so we don't know, you know, how the foundation looks or anything like that. You know, the pictures make it look really nice. It'd be a different story once we get into the home and we kind of do a walk around and get to tell really what's going on. So we can't tell if those are original hardwood floors, but they look hardwoods. So we'll see. And like like we've we've been coaching buyers all along. We really have to get into the house and feel it because you know that's that's a whole another aspect of of the purchase. Is a house right for you? You gotta feel it, you gotta be there, you've got to experience the place mm-hmm. to see if it really fits for you. Right. So you know, this one 
you know, a great first time home buyer. It's got three bedrooms. So again, really nice. Nice little starter home. All right. So if we were going to go into. What's next? Yeah. What is next? Okay. Are we going to move up in price? Sure. Let's move up in price. Are we going to move over in location? Uh, no, we're going to still keep the uh, the Wisconsin Rapids area. So again, we're still going to be growing those homes in Nakusa. It just happened that there was three new homes in Nakusa that got listed today. So that's why it's kind of on my mind a little bit there. So let's just go up to 40,000. So between 100 and 140, we're looking at 18 homes, which is a good, strong, healthy number. Yes. Especially compared to where we were six months ago. Correct. So this is looking really, really nice. Um, I'm going to see if I can pick out one that I've been in. Oh, let's talk about 20th Avenue. We've been in that one a couple times. So this one is 621 20th Avenue South. So everyone might know where Love Inc. is in Wisconsin Rapids. Okay, I don't. Kind of kitty corner to, to there. Okay. I'm going to bring up the map. Okay. Get a better, better description. It, it might not exactly help our radio viewers to view the map. I understand they're, that. they're listening with their ears and right. not with their eyes today. So this is kind of more on the corner of 20th and Clark Street. Okay. So really close, nice little walking distance to Mead Park. It's only like three blocks away. So again, really great location. And this is a very nice three bedroom home. The basement's kind of, he went through, the homeowner went through and redid or added to, I'm going to say add to, he had added a little nostalgia. It feels like a log cabin inside a log cabin in the basement. Okay. So really nice, really nice basement. It's got a nice area for a pool table. That does sound mm-hmm. quite nice. Mm-hmm. So originally when we were walking through this, the house, it looked like at one point, it looks like there's a little bit of remodeling going on. Okay. And so we were talking about this in, in staff that, that the house is in, in good shape. It just needs a fresh coat of paint to kind of help with some of the looks that is going on. Because it looked like they did a little bit of spray texturing on the walls. And it, it may not be the smoothest spray texture, you know, that a homeowner has done. So did we discover the weird noise in the background? Okay. So see, the, and, the, and this is where we waffle. We kind of, kind of spread around because of all the years that I've done maintenance at facility management, the smallest unusual noise kind of gets in the back of my head and I have to figure out where it is so I can justify it in my mind. I can correlate that sound to a location to what's going on. Okay. And so this one happened to be my bottle of soda that wasn't screwed on quite tight and the vibrations from us talking were making it squeak and squeal. Right. Well, I noticed that you were putting your head down to the table while I was talking because normally there's a little bit of, you know, back and forth, but you were, it looked like you were trying to take a nap. So um, so glad you found okay, what is so, going on. So, so we've got back. that. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a con- condition I have or whatever. I have to. And the fox has joined us. So pretty oh, yes. soon we're going to be able to hear her crying in the background. Don't worry. She's been well fed and well watered today. So. But can she see the bottom of her bowl? Not anymore. <laughs> so. More than likely, you might be able to hear the cat crying in the background. Don't worry, she's safe. She's just sad that she's not the center of attention right now. Should I stick a microphone over there? She probably would talk into it. Anyway, so we're back to the house on 20th. So back to the house on 20th. Right. For all the viewers who are, or listeners who are trying to follow along in this, this rampage. Um, So it just looked like the homeowner tried to spray texture the walls. And so it, it doesn't. When you're in there in person, it just kind of has a little bit more rougher look to it. But I think a nice little coat of paint on there would really help spruce that that up and kind of help with the visual 
of the home, but it's a really nicely well laid out home. See, and, and like we're saying, some of that comes down to compromise. You know, are, are you willing to put in that little bit of work to maybe flush out some of those rough spots to how you think it should be done? Because everyone's level of finishing is different. Right. Um, you know, so is that, is that going to be worth the value of the house or is it going to degrade it? Or can you understand that it might just take a little bit of work and a couple of dollars, you know? Yeah. So lots of potential kind of behind the scenes. Exactly. And, and we've looked at so many houses. I mean, you've been doing this since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going through all the old files at the office, by the way, right now. So I'm going down memory lane quite a bit. And yeah, we've been in so many houses that it's, it's and those just, are just the ones we those, had offers on that, that you're seeing. Well, right. But, but even, you know, for each of those offers, we probably saw at, on average five houses with that, that buyer. Correct. Um, and it's, it's just like we, we pick up on some things that sometimes people don't. It's not bad. It just, we see things or catch them out of the corner of our eye. We went on a, a listing appointment not too long ago and they were all pumped and, you know, they did a lot of work to the place and they did do a lot of work to the place, but it's just like the little finishing details that yeah. would catch our eye for the price point that they wanted, especially. Right. And it's, it's one of those things when we come over, that's why we don't like to do listing appointments on the phone. We don't want to, I mean, we can take a look at the assessor of value, figure out the square footage and go, okay, roughly this is what you're going to be in. But once we find out though that your house has got the granite countertops and we start adding in some of these things, we're then going to also then be paying attention to that little bit of detail. Do you have the quarter round put on to your trim? Is your trim nailed to the wall or is it kind of sticking out a little bit and you're wanting to be in that upper end of, you know, a $300,000 home? Some of those finishing touches is what a buyer is going to expect to right. see. And it's, it's just a little bit of work and a little bit of money because for this instance, you know, it maybe four tubes of caulk for the entire house. So you're out 30 bucks mm-hmm. for caulking and a couple hours to run through and touch up paint. And that, that particular listing that we went on, um, the outside of the home, you know, hasn't been touched. It'd be like, okay, really? This is the outside needed something, some sort of pizzazz. But once you walked in the front door, they changed everything from the front door to the back door and all over the place, up and down. I mean, it was 100% different than the listing pictures from when they first bought the house. I mean, they did do a lot of work, but it's getting them then into that price point where putting that quarter round is important to put in a, in a house once you hit that $300,000 mark. And we were able to coach them on some ideas for um, really updating the exterior as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of like where to focus on, you know, and they you know, may have been worried about some things that we didn't think would be as much of a worry. So it's like, hey, let's prioritize some of these things. They're all important, but these things are going to return your investment better, quicker, faster. You know, so you don't waste your time. But if you have the time, go ahead and do the rest of them as well. Right. So, I mean, it's just a matter of what's what's going to be going on as far as the price point we're trying to get into because, you know, we're not going to look at you and say, oh yeah, for sure, you're going to be in, you know, X amount of price range. And then we start looking at the comps and next thing you know, we are looking at you going, yeah, but um, now we need to look at a different area because this is not working out. This is not going to work out. Well, and one of the things that we're finding with running a market analysis and looking at comparable properties is that it's continually changing too. So if we've done a market analysis three months ago, we're going to want to relook at that because the price points have shifted a little bit as things have closed along the way. Mm-hmm. And so that could certainly be a, a good thing. And we want to always keep current in that market. That's why um, a lot of times we'll use the phrase, we can tell you what we would list it at now, but if you want to wait and do these things that'll change in the future. 
Right. And re going back over and, and kind of reviewing those things is, is always important because we just don't, we don't know because we can look our, at the, the crystal, solds. Our crystal ball is still broken. Yeah. The crystal ball is still broken. <laughs> yeah. I've just uh-huh. not even tried to glue it back together. I just kind of go with the, let's look at the here and now. Cause again, things can change in two weeks where we can get you into a higher bracket or it might stay right where it is because it hasn't caught up yet. But if we're looking at two months down the road, three months down the road of I'm going to do some repairs, that's when we really need to do the, this is the now. I'll check back with you in a month to see how things are going. I'll give you a new price then. And we're going to just going to keep doing this until it's ready to be listed. Right. And, and doing the updates and keeping the maintenance up on the house is never going to degrade the home's value. Oh, no. No. So we're, we always want to be the best value that we are confident the house will appraise out at and, and continue to close all through the transaction. Right. So if we did our next, next bracket between 140 and I had to go all the way up to 200. Fantastic. You no, know, a $60,000 $60, spread there. We're only looking at five, five homes. Okay, but and that's a popular bracket, mm-hmm. the upper end of the 100s. Right, so we're looking, that's pretty much our uh, Nakusa and Port Edwards bracket. I know there were some houses here in the city that were in that bracket, but oh, they, got, they, they're very popular. Right, we got one in Grand, um, Grand Rapids. And that's over on Winter Green Drive. And? Uh, let's see here. We got Highway 73. That one's got a little bit of acreage. It's got almost seven acres attached to it. All right. So let's, let's go up. Let's keep climbing. So if we did the 200,000 all the way up to the rest of them, we're looking at 15 homes. Above 200? Above 200. Okay. And it starts off at 224, almost 225. So, I mean, that there's a huge, there's a $20,000 spread where there's nothing listed. So you've got some potential in there. Right. We got some potential in, in here and... Because that's, a, again, a, a little bit of a strategy is depending on how fast you want the house sold, what is going to be your competition. So putting it in a, a low competition price point may be, may be beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. So what else do you, do you see? Are there some more in, in Port Edwards, you said? Um, Kind of in this price range, we... We're getting a lot of Beeren. So there's a little bit going on in Beeren. Um, we got one on South Beeren Drive. So this one does contain some waterfront for 1.2 acres. So it's a decent size, decent size lot. Um, it's only a two bedroom home though. But it does go right onto the Wisconsin River. So that is. It's a very unique property. Well, that's popular. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't consider waterfront on the river. Well, and the nice thing is this is not, okay, so it's waterfront, but the house is more roadside than waterfront. So it's up on top of the hill just a little bit. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like a, you get a little bit of a sledding hill in the backyard and then um, access to the water. Well, that's, yeah. that's not too bad. No, no, not at all. Okay, pick out another one. All righty. Where are we looking at? Uh, Wisconsin Rapids again? <clears throat> Beeren? Maybe Nakusa? Give me a hint. I know, I'm trying to find one that would be, that'd be good. Um, well, we haven't really talked about one of these yet. So we have brand new builds. Over in Beeren. Okay. So they just recently, I want to say last year, did a new subdivision over there. So we have 
two homes that are looks to be a zero lot line. So this would be a brand new build. Nobody has lived in it. Looks like we've got a little bit of construction going on. So the listing pictures, not sure if this is like one of the spec homes that they did. But if we're looking at doing, want to be in Beeren, I want to be close to Anchor Bay. So this is the Anchor Bay area. So um, there are some opportunities there for purchasing land. Sure. And then building your dream home on. Or you can do like a zero lot line that's already being built. And usually with a new build, you get a little bit of say on what finishes. So if you have a choice of three different flooring types, you can pick out your flooring type. So um, those are always really interesting to kind of work with. And of course, that all depends on what stage in the process of the build Mm -hmm. they're at. Yeah. And subdivisions, I mean, historically, getting into an area early is going to be beneficial for the long run. Right. And we, we've seen that uh, here in Grand Rapids specifically, the people who have um, invested in those subdivisions early on when they were being built or even 20 years ago, you know, they've really got a uh, handle on the, the pricing in the subdivision. Um, so you're going to build equity quicker because as the years goes go by and the more homes that now kind of come into it is going to help with everything else. Right. So, but I mean, definitely lots of opportunity for some vacant land over in, in Barron. If you wanted to look at building later on down the road. Okay. What else do you want to look at? All right. I think I've got nearly everything. I got everything all kind of covered here. All right. Do you want to move into your uh, stage style blog? Well, I, I was going to talk about things that had sold. Oh, okay. In July. All right. So, because because you said we didn't get our, our usual at the sales meetings that we have on the Wednesday, but we can run some numbers ourselves and give an idea of kind of what's been sold. So we, we were talking about land and lots. Right. So I did the uh, what had sold in July and we had 10. So 10 lots had sold. The high price was 129,000. Okay. The low price was 13,000. All right. And in the Wisconsin Rapids area, they, they were all over the place as far as even some down in Rome and the city of Rapids, Saratoga, Nakusa. Uh, the median price was 41,500. And of course, when you're talking about lots and land, we have to account for acreage. So there was, I think the smallest one, it looks like 0.41 of an acre, all the way up to 42 acres. And of course, that was the expensive end. Right. Because you got so much acreage. Well, and I just ran the residential just for the Rapids area. Again, foreclosing from January or from July 1st to July 31st, we're Mm -hmm. looking at, at 80 properties. And average days on market was 54 days. Right. So things are moving. Um, we're looking at our average price is 197,323. Okay, now move over another column and look yeah. at median price. Medium is 166. Okay, so normally our median prices for the state are in that $137,000 range. So we're slightly above the median state price. Mm-hmm. You know, so now if you go back and run it for June, so we know July had 80 properties and we were at 164,000-ish medium medium price. So what were we for June should be interesting. As for residential and the Wisconsin Rapids area. Uh, We were looking at 68 homes. Okay, so we jumped up 12. Right. And what was our median price in June? One forty-five. So we also jumped up in price. Mm-hmm. Um, I think July had one or two um, higher priced sales, at, at least. Yes, July did. July had right. July had a one and almost in that eight hundred thousand dollar price range. So yeah, so that 
skews it a little bit, and that's why the average price was almost two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we keep tabs on that median price, the price that's right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yep that that's always fun to look at, you know, and land sales being up, especially, you know, the the average acres look to be right around two two and a half acres. So getting that that melding of some in-town plots and some acreage out in the country as well. You know, people are really keeping their options open. And definitely this year we saw way more land sales than we did in the last two years. Mm-hmm. And people are realizing that they can't find the home that they want to move into. So the best next option is to build. And so let's get in a position to find the land first of where we want to have our dream home. Let's grab that. Let's get that bought, get that paid off. And then we can work on finding the builder and we can take our time finding the builder because no one's pressing to get us out of the house. It's not like we have to sell because we're moving to another city or to another state. It's, I can take my time and find a builder. We're definitely hearing that a lot. We certainly are. Um, but there are, are always a lot of different types of buyer motivations and they're still all in play. Um, I think there's, there's some word going around that Verso mill here in Rapids might be starting up again within a year. So that's a little bit of excitement that's, you know, there's no actual word when or if or who buy is going to be purchasing. But, you know, there's good words coming out of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I hate to do the rumors, but, you know, we're getting some good vibes in that general direction too. So I think people are, are looking to, you know, potentially move back here and or stay here and temporarily work maybe in Stevens Point or Marshfield. So this is a good place to be. Yeah, excellent. Okay, yeah. so our, our stage styled and sold blog. All right, well, we're done with this. I'm going to turn off the computer so that way I don't have the tendency to... Get distracted? Start clicking someplace else. Okay. All righty. So what do we got? So this one is by Christina Bell. K-R-I-S-Z-T-I-N-A. So I'm not just making it up. It is Christina. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the project No Vacancy Home Staging Incorporated. Right. Four simple ways to show off your kitchen. It says from dark drama to minimalist shelving, see some of the latest trends for the heart of the home. Okay. So stylish countertops. And of course, countertops have always been very much a, a personal choice, but also there's some practicality to your countertops. Can you explain, Carrie, the practicality of certain countertops in the kitchen? Well, I always do like the whole entire marble. If you go marble, then you can do all your sugar work right there on the countertop. You don't have to worry about having a separate marble to bring out to be doing that. So as far as doing sugar work and baking, extremely excellent just to have marble. Um, I I enjoy it. It's always been one of the, the great aspects of baking is to be able to play with the sugar work and not have to make sure I had the right size chunk of marble to bring out on the countertop if you've got a huge island and it's all marble you've got a very large working space so it's really great with sugar work because then it's going to disperse the heat evenly and a little bit quicker so being able to do making your fondants and all your candies and stuff right on your countertop one less thing you have to worry about cleaning and putting in the dishwasher because just wipe her on down and continue on and in some aspects, you don't have to worry about a heating, you know, putting down like a trivet or something like that, because it's going to be meant to take that, that abuse. So would, would someone want to look for a thicker marble or can they get away with, you know, like a half inch or three quarter inch marble? You're probably going to want to do it just a little bit thicker than, than a regular, if you do like the normal size countertop, it'd be, it'd be fine. Cause most marbles that you're going to get for doing sugar work on are a half inch. I mean, they're not like super thick. The nice thing is marble does take the abuse. Okay. But you know, it's always a good idea to let your cabinet maker know, let your builder know Mm -hmm. what you want to actually, you know, how, how far you want to go with 
working on the countertop. Right. You know, the same thing if you did like a butcher block countertop, you know, island top, you know, always very nice. It's very great. Again, you can use it for, you know, working with the fondant. You can use the uh, the countertop then for, for doing that because it's a butcher block. Again, you need to make sure that you're treating it like you need to treat it properly. Mm-hmm. So if we're not washing it down, re-sanding, re-oiling, you are going to have all of those microorganisms soak into the wood because it, what is a sponge? It's going to absorb stuff. So if you're not cleaning it, you're not paying attention to that and making sure that you're doing your regular maintenance to it, you do have that great potential of giving your family a little bit of food poisoning. So it's a matter of how much I'm going to be using it, how I'm going to be using it, and then the time invested for the maintenance because everything is going to have maintenance. It's what type of maintenance am I really willing to do? Okay, so um, solid surface countertops, a lot of people think granite or some other sort of... The quartz. Yeah, what, what, what do you feel about those if you're going to be cooking in the kitchen, like a serious cooking in the kitchen? Again, if you know how to use them, okay, they're, they're perfect, they're ideal. If you're not sure how it's going to take the heat how it's going to take the equipment getting put onto it, you know, definitely do your research, talk to people who have had granite in their, in their homes. Personally, you know, if I had granite, I would use it just the same as I would marble. So it's just a matter of your personal preference. I've worked in enough kitchens where when they had the butcher box countertop, there's a lot of maintenance to that. There's, you know, you got to do, make sure you're doing your sanding, because you can use it as a cutting board. So we, again, less stuff that you got to throw into the dishwasher. But again, are you, when you make those cuts, are you then treating your countertops so that way you're not putting your family at risk? So it's a give and take. They look absolutely gorgeous and pretty. It's how you're going to be taking care of them is going to be the big, big cue. So the blog post here suggests that quartz is, you know, kind of the current fad, you know, and it's a, it's another good stone surface. Mm-hmm. Um, they make note that heavily veined marble is definitely starting to make a significant comeback. And in the, in the picture here, it's got, um, it looks like the like the large kitchen island, like we're talking about. And this one actually has sink in it and i believe it's the waterfall style so the sides are also the same as the top yep and then the inset so it's got cabinets on one side and seating on the other Mm -hmm. so where your knees kick up underneath the cabinet in this case is also marble that's a lot of marble it is it's an expensive bit of marble Mm -hmm. but investing in especially the the area you visualize first when you walk into that kitchen space having the waterfall edge on that side, you know, and maybe uh, if you want to waterfall the other side, it might not have to be as accurately a waterfall match, you know, but keeping that visual statement where it needs to be, you have to cut a bigger slab to do it, but yeah, it's a good investment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they, they make note that metals and woods, especially polished metal, you know, stainless has always been popular in a kitchen atmosphere. It's always my go-to. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a, a fairly light surface to work with because you can get strong components that are thin. You know, so if you have a, a cart or something you want to move around, having it as a stainless, it's, it's going to be really, really good for you. Mm-hmm. The downside is having it so light, if you want to put like a mixer on top of it or something or really work on it, now it's moving around more than a substantial piece of furniture especially if you you know you're trying to pound out some chicken breast to to do something and you're pounding on stainless steel boing 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 it's it's very loud so there's definitely no tampering there's there's no way to make that a softer sound it's going to be loud you're 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 a drummer you're smashing on metal 
Right. It's yeah. just, it, it's loud. So again, you know, kind of being aware of what type of cooking you're going to be doing to what surfaces you need in your kitchen. Okay. So item number two, they're suggesting dark drama. Move over classic all-white kitchens and say hello to black walls, cabinetries, and work surfaces. And that sounds really overwhelming. Uh, the picture that they have is a predominantly white kitchen as far as white cabinetry and countertops, but black accents. So like the backsplash is black. Uh, with these high walls here, they've got the black accent on the wall that the cabinets are hung on. Mm-hmm. And then stools, and I, I suppose you could even go as far as some black in the appliances as well. Right. So, uh, I am a fan of black. You are? If you're doing cooking with, you know, pastries and flour and whatnot, it can be a challenge. So, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, let me see here. The use of lighting on the black spaces can be really dramatic as well. So if, if you really want to have those dramatic accent lighting pieces, that, you know, the, the darker palette in your kitchen might be a good thing. Um, some people, and it goes back and forth as far as how it makes the space feel. If you do a dark palette well, it could still keep a, an open feel in the kitchen because you're sort of... A, given the illusion that there, there is not as much there because it all blends in. Right. So number three is statement lighting. So I kind of touched on that with the, you know, lighter kitchen, but dark lighting could be a statement, but also how the, the lighting washes onto the surfaces. Yeah. So these are, I'm suggesting maybe pendant lighting, which is a favorite because the pendants make a, a statement as well. Right. And usually lights are pretty easy to change out. So if you want a new pendant, you just change out to a different pendant and get a new look. Correct. So, you know, again, you got to look at the size of that pendant to the space. So that way you're not doing something that's super large in a smaller space and it just doesn't look right. And then again, too, if it's really small and it's only going to shine down and you're only going to get in spotlighting, then it may not be even it may not be beneficial for that space. So again, you kind of have to be able to to judge that. Um, I would suggest if you've got a friend who has somewhat of the same style that you would like to go to, you know, ask to go over there and spend some time in their kitchen and see if you like that look before you invest all this money into it and realizing this is really not what I needed or wanted. This just does not work well. The other thing to keep in mind is the color of the bulbs that you insert into your fixtures. So a more yellow and amber color is going to give a totally different feel to that fixture than a, a blue-white mm -hmm. color. So, and, and here again, in this photo, they've got the island with a painted dark, dark blue, a midnight blue underneath cabinetry. But the countertop itself is a nice bright white solid surface. That juxtaposition also helps. I've noticed that we haven't done in like any accenting in red. Well, that's, it's a very, you know, it, um, how should I say it? It's a bold color, but not just bold in your face, also psychologically bold. So having that red presence is a very excitable color. It usually creates the feeling of excitement psychologically which is a whole nother conversation in and of itself. But I, I think that's really one of the reasons why um, we do see some muted reds like burgundies, you know, uh, rusty browns that are kind of red. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll see some of that, especially like backsplashes and brickwork. But yeah, that, hardly anybody does uh, like fire engine red or blood red. Well, I'm just thinking like accent stuff of, you know, it, where the mixer's red or the toaster's red, just a little bit of here's my black, here's my white. And now I'm just going to put a little bit of a splash of red in it. So all my utensils are red, that sort of thing. Because otherwise we've seen a lot, well, we've seen a couple like with teal 
Sure. But not like a whole lot of, not too much w- with the red. And that's also a, um, what they're usually seeing in a lot of these staged photos is you want to stage a house normally nice and neutral so that people can, you know, play with it how they want. Right. But you've gone into plenty of houses that they've had really, really bold colors in a lot of their rooms, especially mm-hmm. the kitchen. Yes. So it is out there. We just usually don't see it in the blog post as much. No. No. Uh, number four. Did we do number three? We did. Uh, number three was the oh. statement lighting. Okay. Okay. Number four. Maximalist and minimalist shelving. Mm-hmm. So we've got the closed cabinets as one option. <clears throat> we've got like a glass front cabinet as another option. We've got uh, open shelving where you would think that you could have doors on it, but they took the doors off. Right. And then we've got individual chunky like floating shelves. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that maximalist shelving idea being those chunky floating shelves that are really accent pieces. But they can also be practical because you can store stuff on them a little bit. Right. I'm okay with the floating shelves. Okay. Just not in the kitchen. Okay. Because I think of the amount of grease that's usually in a kitchen that is now going to get on there. And now we're going to have to use twice as much degreaser to get everything off. And the time it needed to be invested in getting some of that you know, getting everything off the shelf and then cleaning everything individually, cleaning the shelves individually, cleaning the cabinet individually, and reassembly. Right. And I'm thinking of all the flour. I mean, I do a fair amount of baking, and let's just say that there are days that I am not too cautious of how fast the mixer gets turned on after I've added all of the flour. So if there's a little bit of flour in the air, that's kind of normal yes you you are a messy chef i'm an aggressive so as long as you know how to clean up after yourself that's not necessarily a bad thing right it all gets cleaned up Mm -hmm. it's just that once all the dust really settles it's like it settles on everything yeah i now have to now i'm just cleaning the floor and getting everything all cleaned up so the last statement in this blog is kind of a, a general statement that kitchens in general are indeed becoming more spacious and acting as the union of cooking, dining, and relaxing all rolled into one glorious light-filled space. Oh, I definitely can agree to that. Oh, yes. And when the kids come home, you know, we're always in the kitchen. I always say that we're yeah. kitchen people because that's where we're at. We're in the kitchen. Everybody's always hungry. There is hungry or there's just a lot that's always going on in our kitchen. So we just hang out in the kitchen. We very rarely sit down at on the couch and chat with the kids. We're usually sitting around the dining room table chatting with them. We're more kitchen than living room. Well, and in this house, as in our last house, uh, the kitchen dining areas were open to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, here in our current space, the dining area is more defined, but it's it's still readily open in the same chunk of space. You know, whereas then the living room and bedrooms are away. They're through the wall. Right. So, yeah. And especially uh, something that we did here is getting more of a, a bar height table and chair set. So it's easy to just kind of slide onto a chair and do everything at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. No downside of that is then it becomes a clutter magnet. You got to keep up on it. Very true. But again, we don't have in this space a catch-all space. So when you come in from the garage, you come right into the kitchen. So there's no space to have like a mudroom. So there's no mudroom to take off a coat to put computer bags down or to catch any of the shoes Mm -hmm. it's still caught underneath the table like at the last house so we didn't we didn't find something to have that mud room to have that catch-all 
Because even when you come in the front door, you're kicking it. Everything's just going to get put into the dining room because that's where all the chairs are. So everyone's going to take off their coat and they're going to put it in the kitchen. They're going to take off their shoes and it's going to be underneath the table. So there's no good entryway area to put coats and stuff. We just do it all underneath the kitchen table. So while you're there, you might as well sit down and grab a snack. And then talk about how your day was and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So although it is also convenient that you walk right in from the garage into the kitchen, you can just grab a snack from the refrigerator that's right there. Right. Okay. So we've got a little bit, just a couple more minutes before the end of the hour. All right. What else is on your mind to talk about? How's the garden doing? Garden, I haven't checked on it in a while, but we are starting to see the tomatoes starting to turn red. Ooh. I may have to go out after this and pick a few of them, but they're going to be small tomatoes. Our Roma tomatoes, they're very small. I think they're more grape size than anything else. So I'm not sure how the chili starter spaghetti sauce situation is going to go this fall because there's a lot of tomatoes. They're just not very big tomatoes. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to taste amazing. It's going to be wonderful. Maybe eating a little bit of bruschetta of anything. Because we probably could be able to dice up like five to make bruschetta versus one tomato. So what is bruschetta? Is it just fancy toast? No, the bruschetta is the diced tomatoes with red onion. Usually some jalapeno peppers. Some olive oil, salt, pepper, probably some red wine vinegar. Then you put that on the toast points. So you you put that so it's it's toast with yummy stuff on it. Right. Okay. Usually French bread. Whatever bread is handy. Okay. There's no right or wrong. So our our garden is still standing. We've had some storms recently. And I really think the helping. If I, because I uh, tied up the corn as like one big unit that I think it survived the couple of windstorms a little bit better than if it wasn't tied together. So, I mean, they're tied loosely together, but um, wanted to try that to see how that works because our corn is over six feet tall. It's a, it's a good stand of corn this year. It is. And actually now um, we've, we've had a fairly wet couple of weeks. As I drive around looking at the farm fields, especially the uh, the corn that's closer to the road where, you know, you can see, get a good eye on it. <clears throat> um, there are definitely corns that are uh, bleaching out, kind of losing their chlorophyll just because it's been washed out. Same thing can happen to the lawn, too. So the lawn this time of year with so much rain, it might lose the green color just because it's so flushed with water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the corn is doing good. I mean, we planted it just for the decoration aspect of having corn. So we'll we'll see how that all turns out. See how tall it gets. And you've got all the zucchini taken out. Yes, but no. Because you kind of transplanted one plant, didn't you? Right, because our zucchini plants were planted with our tomato plants, which was then pushing our tomato plants out, and so. Kind of did a, I pulled all the tomato plant or the zucchinis and I just wanted to try to see if I could transplant it because it had a decent root system on the one. So I kind of took it over to the other side of the garden, dug a hole and stuck it in there and basically laid it on its side because it was not going to stand up anymore. But we managed to grow one more zucchini off of that one. We've got a couple buds. So we do have some zucchini. And then we proceeded to get like eight or 10 inches of rain in the following two or three weeks. Right. And it was kind of neat to see the little bit of new growth that did form on this. I mean, so it's like half dead and half alive. So <laughs> it's about, it's a little habsy, but it's kind of neat to see that it is still producing. Not that I would suggest that transplanting zucchini plants is the best thing to do, but. Especially at the end of the season. Right. And, and again, we kind of talked a little bit of proper planning of this product is going to be done first. So this is going to get removed. That way it can allow space for this next product to kind of take over. 
So I think next year looking at the plantings is going to have to be a maybe rotate every other row of something. So that way we can get a proper, proper rotation and proper removal and still have space. How are the carrots doing? Oh, I haven't checked on them. They're, uh, looks like they're, they're leafing out quite well. Yeah, they're leafing out quite well. That's going to be something that you take out in the fall, like mm-hmm. end of September, beginning of October. So again, something that can stay in longer, but the stuff that's going to come out, like the beets and the radishes, having a little bit more spacing, bit with a space to carrot radish, carrot radish, that way stuff can kind of come out and we'll still have room for the other stuff to grow. See, and it's a learning process, even though we've been gardening for a while, you know, gardening in a different space, uh, doing raised beds this big, because they're, they're four by eight beds. Mm-hmm. They're pretty big. You know, it's, it's all learning and then understanding what you can do next year. Right. And the, uh, what else do we have in there? Our peppers. Peppers look pretty good. Peppers are doing fabulous. You said you, you think they're a little bit behind, but not too much. They are a little bit behind, but not by a whole lot. Now that we have all the other stuff that was in with the peppers out, the peppers now have that opportunity to kind of take off and start to produce. So again, it's that, and instead of throwing caution into the wind and just going, oh, I'm just going to put this here and just hope for the best, the proper planning is going to be a little bit better next year. Okay. Well, stay excited for that. Yeah. And for our harvest, and we'll, we'll try to share on the social media. So our usual plugs here at the end of the, the hour, you know, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we'll have some new listings coming on throughout the next couple months for sure. And if you want to catch up on current listings, head over to myrapids.com. You can also search for the area and, and find listings, you know, in our neck of the woods and throughout the majority of Wisconsin. So myrapids.com is pretty good for that. Um, myrapids.info, you can find links to area places of interest or events that are coming up. And Carrie, you've got a phone number? I do. It is 715-323-2577. And again, that's a very textable number. So sometimes it might be a little bit easier to send a text versus call. Um, go ahead and send me a text and when I'm available, I'll definitely get back to you. Which is usually pretty darn soon. It is, you know, for, if we're on a showing or we're at a listing appointment, we always want to make sure that we're giving that attention to those buyers and to those sellers. So if we get a phone call during that time, we just make sure it goes to voicemail and afterwards we will give you a call back. Sounds good. Well, I hope everybody sticks around for more of our conversation in in the next hour and we'll be right back all right sounds good